Hey everyone, and welcome to That's My 20 Cents, a podcast created to champion women, their achievements, and what it took to get them there. Hosted by Maggie Bale and Hannah Martin. Hey everyone, and welcome back to That's My 20 Cents. I'm Hannah. And I'm Maggie. And we wanted to say a thank you to all of you that listened to our first ever episode. We really appreciate it. And today we are super excited to introduce you to our first ever guest, Grace Krell. So Grace is the founder and CEO of Sweet Sip Straws, which is a company that provides reusable straws that are stylish, affordable, and your first step towards saving our environment. Through Sweet Sip, hundreds of dollars have been donated to wildlife conservation efforts headed by the North Carolina Aquariums. Sweet Sip was also awarded the second place winner at the annual Pirate Entrepreneurship Challenge and first place at the Holt Prize competition. All right, everyone say a huge hello to our very first guest, Grace Krell. How are you doing, Grace? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're so excited to have you as our first guest on our show, and we can't wait to hear all about Sweet Sip. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you guys have started this. I know that you guys are more of the creative type, and I'm just, I'm so excited to see what's to come with this podcast. So thank you. Thanks so much. Awesome. So um, at first, we want to kind of get some background on you. So we'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Grace. I'm from um, North Carolina, and all three of us go to school together. We all go to college. I'm majoring in engineering right now, specifically biomedical, and I'm also getting my music minor. Um, I have done business on the side, and I still do business on the side mainly, but other than that, I like to the garden and cook and more things around the house like that. Um, outside of school so that's just a little bit about me okay so how old are you right now and then how old were you when you started your company so I just turned 21 last week and when I started I believe I was 18 wow that's so cool I did not do anything like that when I was 18 (laughs) Um, so we'd love for you to just kind of tell us the story of Sweet Sip. We'd love to know the background of it, you know, what inspires you to get started um, and then what it is and then how it's continued to grow from whenever you were 18 to now. Yeah, so when I was about 15, I think, I picked up an internship locally where I was from uh, before I came to college. And we learned mainly about how to sell products on Amazon, how to really learn the ins and outs of like creating margins of figuring out what sale price would be and rate of investment. And I just fell in love with all of it. I really found that one day I only want to work for myself and I don't want to work for anybody else. So from, I did that internship for about three years. And then from that point forward, I came to college and I was like, well, it's now or never you know, start young and get more experience as you go. If this flops, you know, I don't care. I'm so young. And I started the business uh, about a month before I came to school. And I honestly would not have been able to keep it going if I didn't come to school because there are so many resources here and people who just genuinely wanted to help me, even if they got nothing in return. I had so many people reach out to me. People would sit with me for hours and 
you know, talk to me about how to, you know, do taxes or file as an LLC. And if I didn't have any of those people here, I don't know what had would would have come from it. I wouldn't have had any ideas to expand. And then in October, so I started in August, the school year, and then in October, um, this thing on campus called the Pirate Entrepreneurship Challenge started, which if you've seen Shark Tank, it's kind of like that, except there's multiple rounds. So the first round, it was just me and my friend, and we were kind of, it was almost like peddling your product with like, it looked like a science fair almost, but there was a hundred teams and then it got cut down to 12 and I was in the top 12. So I got to move on to the second round where it was more of the formal pitch that you see on Shark Tank. And then in the third round, I ended up getting second place. And that, from that moment on, it really just, it blew up. I got a mentor through the program, so, or through the competition and we work very closely together, um, you know, all the time, even since the program. And I think we'll be matched together until I graduate. Uh, they also gave me an, my own office space along with like some, I believe, $10,000 in starting capital and then $7,500 in in-kind price, prizes. So that's like tax services and branding services. So that was like the ultimate starter package, everything I needed to... Um, expand my product line, get some more guidance, and learn how to really run a business from the inside out. And I also gained a lot of um, skill in like public speaking, especially with the pitches talking in front of, you know, 100 people. It was nerve wracking the first time, but the second time it felt like a breeze. And so I worked all throughout that year in that summer with my mentor, and we got a deal with the North Carolina Aquariums, which they would sell sweets in their gift shops in return for like monetary donation and uh, kind of sale going to their conservation efforts, which was a win-win because I really, really just wanted to be able to get out there and get involved in specifically like local conservation efforts. So that happened and they're still our biggest partner today and expanded to more of like the Tennessee aquariums, some like Hallmark and a few more gift shops up and down the East coast. But the aquariums were really just like it. They were the big break because it was, it was a win-win. I really wanted to contribute to what they were doing as well. So that happened and that exploded last summer or the summer between my freshman year and sophomore year and then sophomore year came around and I swore to myself that I would never do another pitch competition because (laughs) you know as much as it was fruitful it was it was so much work but then I got wrapped up in another one and it was the Holt prize here and this one was just one round it was again like the shark tank style and I and my I, I was allowed to bring a few friends along with me to pitch for that one. So we ended up getting first place and this one didn't have a monetary prize, but we were able to score a free ride to Peru for a weekend and go pitch in Peru, which sadly was canceled due to coronavirus. But if we would have went, it would have, it would have been crazy and it would have been so cool to see what's going on down there. 
But ever since then, it's just been kind of um, like a waiting game to see when the aquariums will open. It's uh, like this whole, you know, isolation quarantine thing has really tested the business in ways that I didn't think possible. And it's allowed us to adapt more to what's been happening. So it's been good practice as well. As much as it's been kind of crazy, it's, you know, it's cool to see what can come of times like these. Yeah, for sure. So in your uh, previous answer, you talked a little bit about conservation efforts, especially local. Um, So I guess our next question for you is why metal straws? So why was that the business model that you were drawn to? So there's the two sides to metal straws is you have to think of what can you get like the most bang for your buck? What can you sell that would a give you enough profits so that you could take a lot of those profits and donate them and b have a product that would actually make a difference so if you think more of like tumblers and bigger items i wouldn't have had as much profits to save to donate and you know it would just be very very small margins which at that point then it would just become about the business and i didn't want it to be like that so i think the straws were a good medium they were small enough to ship there, you know, there, you can carry them with you wherever you go. You can't really forget them, but also it gives the money so that I can go, oh, like I hear you're doing this cool thing with, you know, your conservation of the eagles or with, you know, fish in the area. I would love to participate in that. Yeah, that's so cool. I know that Hannah and I both have some of your straws and we love them. So (laughs) thank you. They're definitely a house favorite here. Um, so we know that you do focus primarily on those metal straws, but can you kind of explain what products, what was your first product and then how did you expand from there? Cause we know that you have a few more things, um, happening right now. Yeah. So I started with the metal straws and that was what I started with when I was 18. And then slowly, I believe right after the first round of the pirate challenge, they give you, based on how many votes you get, they kind of give you a cut of the pot. So they'll divide like $2,000 based on proportion of votes. So I got like 300 or so dollars and used that to kind of springboard a down payment almost on bamboo and silicone straws. And with those, I was able to reach more of a wide audience, especially like adults and people at, you know, bars and things with the bamboo straws and then silicone straws for more kids and, you know, people who it's not safe for them to be having metal straws. And those really helped boost sales. But again, along with the North Carolina aquariums, we had a big break at the same time as that with our foldable straws and they just fold up into a little keychain, and it's really nifty because you can get any branding you want on it. So we will sell them to the aquariums with like their logo on it or, you know, for colleges with their logo on it. And that way, you know, they're with you. They're easy. And also you can get more profit out of them and more margin again to donate because they're so tiny, they're so lightweight and you can ship a million of them at the same time. So we were riding on those for a while and we still do. Those are the best seller. But then we ventured into um, collapsible straws, which are the same kind of deal with the keychain, except they 
are more telescopic in the way that they fold. And I personally, those are my favorite. And those are like the retail favorite on my website. But on the wholesale side, um, they're not as popular just because you don't have room for branding. So that's kind of what it's morphed into over the years. Okay, awesome. Um, So I guess you talked a lot about the Pirate Entrepreneurship Challenge and how that was, um, if you're moving on from the first round was voter-based. So going into the Pirate Entrepreneurship Challenge, did you expect to do as well as you did? And what were your initial feelings going into that competition? Did you expect to play second? How was that? I I honestly did not expect to get past the first round in like in any form. I thought I would come in not dead last, but you know, down there. And I because I didn't I honestly didn't know what I was doing. I was I just thought it was cool, you know, I had my own business or whatever. But the winner of the pirate entrepreneurship challenge from the year previous actually we grew up together, we went to church together, and she really reached out to me and said like, whoa, 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 you really got something going for you here. Don't kind of just push it to the side. Like, let's make sure you do this right. So we would meet and she's amazing. She would take all this time out of her day, out of her busy day. Like side note, this is like her full-time job now. You know, she just graduated and she's, she's a powerhouse, but she would take the time out of her day to come sit with me. And, you know, we would write pages and pages and script this out and we would sit there and memorize numbers together and I think that's really what boosted me in the first round uh the first round was half so 12 people get through six of them are based off of popular vote so kids would come around college kids would come around and put their vote in like a can on your table if they liked you and then so six people were that and then the other six were judge vote which I was on the judge vote and so judges would come around with clipboards and they would ask you these really really intense questions uh thankfully I knew how to answer them just because I had practiced so much and I think that's the practice was what really helped so I it was stressful getting through because the day that night I believe or the day after they would release who was getting through but one by one on their Instagram page and once every 10 minutes so it took them like two hours to finally announce everybody who got through and I was like the second last that they announced oh wow (laughs) so it was so stressful but we all went crazy when it went out um and then quick turnaround oh no sorry that one wasn't a quick turnaround that happened in October and then The next round was in January, I believe. And then, no, I'm I'm so sorry. That was so wrong. That was in October. And this one was quick turnaround. This one was in November, I think. The second round, which then I think um, in the second round, it was really scary because it wasn't based off of your merit or, you know, your sales. It was based off of if the judges liked you. Or if the judges like your product and they would think it was lucrative um, and they wanted to work with you. Because the judges judging for that round were going to be your mentor. And for that round, again, I was the second to last to be picked. They lined us all up after we pitched and they would just, the judges would just like, I want you, I want you. 
and the like I remember my mentor slash judge looked at me and said like are these dishwasher safe that was his only question to me and I said yes and he goes okay I want you (laughs) so I was like so weird but he has kids and he was like I know this is something that you know parents would like to just throw in the dishwasher and you know it's a cool piece of the uh, the puzzle so then after I got through the second round I had four months to get my act together for the third round and that's when it was only six people against each other and the top three got money and in-kind prizes and the fourth person got money so I just had to be in the top two-thirds and I was I was happy with anything at that point it was like at that point I was like do I deserve to be here you know I'm the only person who's not really business other than um someone else was like pre-med um and it was that round I don't even think I remember the night I was like my nerves were like crazy I I mean they fed us but I didn't eat anything and then the pitch went well and at that point I mean honestly at that point I kind of knew I wouldn't be last at least (laughs) so that was good and then they announced the fourth place and then third place. And at that point I was like, well, I can't be second or first, you know, I got fifth and then they announced second and it was crazy. It was, it was insane. Just, I never thought I would get there, but all you got to do is practice and practice and practice. Yeah. I definitely couldn't see myself doing anything like that. That sounds very intimidating. And I'm sure being around people who are all business oriented um was probably intimidating as well so oh yeah yeah, that was crazy you said that you are study or you're a student in engineering and you don't have any business experience prior to this correct I just had that internship but no nothing other than that so that internship is really the turning point that kind of to uh caused you to take that plunge into starting your own company yeah and I also I had a friend too who really got me into that that um he ended up paying for his like entire college tuition before he got to school just by starting his own business. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do that, you know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> but then it turned place. into more of, I love the business aspect, but I also, I'm like so obsessed with like the real world benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you study business? Is this, this not something that you want to do forever? I, okay. I think I'm going to get my, Uh, an MBA after I graduate so I think at that point I'll get my business degree but for my (laughs) undergrad you know I wanted to be an engineer since I was little and I figured like I don't you know I'm doing things that I don't need to go to school to be doing so and I'm I know it's the best of all worlds really I get to do my music I get to do my engineering and do the business too yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's really awesome that, I mean, you're doing engineering, running a business on the side. Not every student can do that. And that's incredible. So <laughs> thank you. I guess, so there are a lot of companies, you know, that sell metal straws. So what makes yours different that stands out from the rest? So in the beginning, it was more of like the mechanics of the straw I guess or the physical so we sold these like silicone pieces with the straw so it was safe for children and you know people who couldn't have metal in their mouth um and then it eventually evolved into like that plus the aspect of branding and 
uh, it being a small business and it being a local business. And then ultimately in the end, it's the fact that we're not only sitting here selling straws. We're here like actually taking, you know, most of the profits and doing something real with them, which I mean, I haven't come across many other, if any, you know, straw businesses that really do pledge to do that. And, you know, I guess, deliver on their pledge. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's probably something that sets you apart. And we love that you do that, um, donating to different people and donating to those causes. And the fact that you're a small business and that you're a college student, I mean, that right there is enough for me. Um, So (laughs) we know know that you've had a lot of success. And so what was the response in the beginning and how has it grown since then? Uh, So... (laughs) It was more of my mom, like, bought the first three packs, and then my brothers did, and my dad, and then my mom got all of her, you know, girlfriends to buy one, and then out of the blue, I had my first sale from, like, Kansas or something, and I went, like, I went, like, buck wild. I was like, oh, my God, you know, (laughs) this is crazy. Like, one person from Kansas saw this, and then... Amazon, actually, when you pay for Amazon, you pay for them to do like free marketing on their platform. So people from all these different states were starting to see them. Um, But with that marketing also came a high price tag. So I believe in December of my freshman year, so like four or five months after I started the business, it was cool to have people from out of state and, you know, all over to start buying. But the Amazon just kept going up and up and I didn't really want to be on a platform like that especially if they were just gonna throw you know I I worked so hard to get this biodegradable uh, materials to package everything in and have it safely here and then would just throw it in a in a box with you know tape that you couldn't recycle so then I moved to my own retail website and the wholesale you know 95% of it the retail is 5% of it But, you know, not being on Amazon has allowed me to have so much freedom with how I act with the customers, especially like when you're on Amazon, you can't really interact and you can't, you can receive reviews, but, you know, they're not personalized and they're not, um, I guess at this stage in the game, people don't really, I mean, (laughs) some people do, but like the Amazon reviews are not always the most credible because sometimes people think that you're paying for them. So it's cool to have a lot more flexibility with what I'm doing. And after Amazon, it just kind of took off. Finally, it was like, you know, I was being set free. (laughs) So how do you juggle a company and being a student? Uh, So that was something that Maggie and I were just talking about is neither of us could imagine being in school, taking, you know, a range of 15 to 18 credit hours every semester and then running a company on top of that. So I guess, how did you transition um, running your business while you were also a student? Yeah, that's that's been the toughest part so far. ECU's definitely helped with that. Like, um, like, for example, I got the office with the pirate challenge and that's kind of a space where I know like, okay, I'm in the business mindset. I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna not get sidetracked and you know, at some points you have to sacrifice things like, you know, I don't really, I don't go home on the weekends. I don't, you know, go out anywhere. It's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday is like work, work, work. 
and then Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, obviously. So I think you have to get yourself in the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to have a four month marathon until the semester's over and then I can rest or, you know, give yourself, obviously give yourself some hours and some days in the middle to rest, but you got to really put yourself in the mindset. Like, don't think woe is me. You know, don't think poor me because I'm working all the time and all my friends are going out. Like, yeah, right now you might be losing some of a social life. Like, obviously I still, like I have friends, we all hang out, we can go on campus, but sometimes you have to be able to say like, no, I need to work right now, you know? And that was the hardest thing to kind of learn because my freshman year, I just wanted to like meet everybody and hang out with everybody. And as times progressed, I've realized like, oh, today, you know, I'm going to change of scenery and go to the library instead of my room or, um, but then again, you know, make sure you carve out lunches and dinners with people. It's just finding the balance and having a good planner, really. <laughs> yeah, we get to know you in your personal life as well. And you definitely are still a social butterfly, even <laughs> while you do all these things. So how you fit it all in, I'll never figure it out. <laughs> um, so what is the most rewarding part of being your own boss? Oh, my gosh. Oh, there's so much. I think uh, last summer, I worked an internship along with doing the business and there I was really able to see the contrast. Um, there's definitely some ups and downs to both. Like when I'm working in an office, I see a lot of people, you know, I can go, I guess, out to eat in like the city or whatever. But other than that, it's, uh, I say like work for yourself all the way. Just you make your own hours. You don't have anybody telling you what to do. Um, you eventually can, if you can give back to your family, like if anybody in your family needs an odd job or needs, you know, needs some help in that way, you can, you can hook them up, you know, you can get them a job quickly. And I think, I think just the freedom and the flexibility is like everything I've ever wanted in a job. And, you know, I'm finally get to live that out. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's been awesome. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about giving, you know, family and friends odd jobs. So do you have any employees besides yourself? Or is it kind of just here and there you see a need and you fill it? Or how does that work? So yeah, it's just me. I'm the only employee. But you know, if, if I go, um, like, for example, last summer, I went to a, a business summit in Baltimore. Um, and like, I need orders to go out. I could tell my brother, like, hey, please, like, send these orders out for me. <laughs> tell me how much it was. And, you know, I can give you a cut of that. Um, or if any of my, yeah, I did this last summer before, you know, coronavirus and all this hit. But, like, my friends would come up to me and be like, oh, you know, I want to go to Starbucks. And, you know, I want to go see somebody. Can I make, like, a quick five bucks? And I'm like, yeah, just, I don't know, like, make me an ad or something. Like, I, I, I don't know. Just, like. <laughs> tiny jobs that like I don't want to do in the moment so that's been fun um I, I it's cool to be able to work with friends and again my friends have been like so cool about it like and I I they give me like constructive criticism all the time and I love kind of getting that criticism so it's been cool to have people like work with you and kind of see it from the outside as well 
she's a one woman show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We think it's really cool that you're a female entrepreneur and doing it at such a young age. Um, So being a female entrepreneur and in the business world, what are you most proud of? Oh gosh, that's tough. I think, I think it, honestly is being one of the few is the most rewarding thing like when you walk into a room and see that you're the only girl again I see this in like engineering as well like you walk into a room and you're the only girl but and regardless of what people think of you I think it's the most rewarding to like walk out of that room and know everybody is like thinking like dang you know she just did that or dang you know she knows her stuff and I think you know, then that opens up the conversation. And I think that's really cool. Uh, and through that, I know that it's just like breaking down more walls. Like, I think I haven't had too many instances with business because the ECU's, you know, school of business is pretty diverse. But in engineering as well, like, it's it's been cool. And it's been like weird in a way, but I, I see of it is more cool to be like the only girl in a class and know that like okay whatever people might think I'm dumb because I'm a girl but probably like one weird person does you know (laughs) not you know their loss (laughs) and on the flip side of that what do you think has been your biggest struggle as a female entrepreneur um I definitely think it's more of people not taking you as seriously uh And I see that more of, like, a young female entrepreneur, too, like, my age playing into it of, you know, guys and wanting to make deals. And then, you know, you start talking and, like, talking, like, you know, actual, I guess, big business words. And then it's, like, the deal's over. I'm, like, what what happened there? You know, you just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, I don't know if it's more of them, like, trying to fill their diversity quota or what but um that's I mean sometimes things like that happen but you just got to brush it off and know that like you don't want to be working with somebody like that and you know I'm glad they showed their true colors early uh but yeah I mean not much has happened I think a lot has changed as of recent in terms of like gender playing a role into things obviously I'm very lucky to be like that and not many people have um instances or like cases like mine uh, and I think when I get out into like more of the real world, it'll really start to show. But as of right now, it's um, it's just been a few instances here and there. Well, I think that's an awesome thing. I think it's great that you haven't really had to come up against that. And I can definitely say that even Hannah and I and our perspective majors and our pathways experience a small portion of that being young and being a woman and then trying to have those kind of bigger conversations and then people are not expecting you to come out as yeah <laughs> sound and kudos to you too for breaking down those walls That's um, right entering I'm, I know a lot of not a lot of women especially young women feel comfortable entering entrepreneurship related fields because you know they might be scared that they will be the only girl so you know Shout out to you for breaking down those walls and kind of showing women that you can do it and you can be a successful entrepreneur, even if you are a young woman. Yeah, thank you. And I I think like one more thing to add on to that is you do have more of a responsibility. Like if if I'm in a room, like say at a pitch competition and I'm the only girl pitching, you have to be able to be like that 
extroverted person who will specifically like go up to the guy's teens and say like, Hey, like, how are you guys doing? Congratulations. You did so well. And they'll honestly like be set aback, which I don't know why, like such a weird thing while they're over there, like sitting and drinking and mingling. And, you know, you're just kind of off on the side. I think a big role into that and it like stinks that you have to take up that responsibility but you need to be the responsible person the bigger person and walk up to them and introduce yourself and kind of not take control of the conversation but start the conversation so that you know they're not think I don't know how to put it but like you know what I mean like you're kind of in control in a way and that you aren't being stepped on not being talked down to and that they know like you're not bluffing like you're pretty much all business i know you can't see us but we're snapping our fingers right now that was... <laughs> <laughs> you hit that right on the money you're so right you are shattering Thank those you. glass ceilings <laughs> if you could give any advice to women wanting to start their own business and wanting to kind of take that off what would you say to them I would say go for it. Um, obviously, don't make any stupid decisions. Don't put more money into it than you're going to get out of it. And also, don't be afraid to reach out to other women entrepreneurs because I know that we're all in a big interconnected network and they have unique experiences that men won't have. And they might have more insight than someone like a man won't have. So Definitely reach out to your peers. Don't be afraid to ask for help and make take risks, but not obviously stupid risks. You need <laughs> you need to take some, but again, calculate them. You're talking to the LinkedIn queen over here. <laughs> Hannah is the queen of LinkedIn. She loves to connect with someone. <laughs> That's awesome. So lastly, where do you see Sweet Sip going in the next five years? Do you kind of see it as a career type thing? I know you said that you're interested in being an engineer and kind of doing your business as a side thing, but do you ever see it becoming more of just a side hustle and kind of turning into like a career type thing? I think as um, college progresses on, I would love to see it become bigger. Again, we had like really big plans for this year, but we're kind of having to scale it back and, you know, take a second to recover from whatever happened this summer. But uh, the big plan was like to get it pretty big. And then after college, I had, I had no clue. I was thinking anything from like, I mean, in the beginning, I was kind of distraught about it. And I was like, I kind of don't want to do this because I don't know what I'm doing. But as I've gone on, I've gotten really confident that I can juggle school and you know work and business so I think I want to keep the business going as long as it can but I want my main sort of hustle to be another business but more in the STEM field and more based around research and like biomedical research I think that would be really cool or like an engineering firm you know that would be so cool once again, I could never, but I'm so glad that you can. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I know that I speak for both Hannah and I when we say that we are completely in awe of everything that you've been doing and we love your story and we can't wait to watch you and see how it 
continues to unfold and how you continue to grow this. And we're just happy to be along for the ride. So thank you so much for your time tonight. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast and being our first ever guest. And everyone check out Sweet Sip. Grace, do you want to tell them where they can check out your products so all of our listeners can go shop? Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, they're at sweetsipstraws.com or Instagram, just sweetsipstraws. So yeah, thank you guys. Also, thank you both for this. I think this is amazing that you're starting this podcast. And I'm, I'm so happy to see, you know, more college students and women starting these podcasts and tar- talk, talking about the nitty gritty and things that are kind of uncomfortable to talk about. So I think that's really cool. And I'm so excited to see, you know, the guests that you bring on and the topics that you talk about. So thank you. Of course. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. All right, guys. So that's it for this week's episode of That's My 20 Cents. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. We are now on all major streaming platforms for podcasts. So be sure to follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Bye, guys.